when they compare you to others, tune it out. Store it away. Compare yourself to nobody but the one in the mirror. Then when the one go then the one that goes in all in, all out, and has the crazy confidence to know that who you are today is just a piece of who you're going to become. The one, the no one, the one that no one sees coming. Isn't that the story of David? No one sees him coming. We see him coming because we've heard the story countless times, most of us. Most of us, even those of us who uh, are still exploring faith or haven't grown up with the stories of the Bible, know the story of David and Goliath. You've heard it before. And so you expect when you hear Goliath speaking and yelling and defying God and saying, who will come out and fight me? You expect David to come and pick up five stones, use a little slingshot, and pop, down he goes. But in that moment, in that day, no one expected him. No one expected him to break through that way. And as we learned last week, we need to remember that as we didn't expect or we don't expect David to break through that way, just because we know the story, uh, we realize that David wasn't really the champion of that story. Uh, God is the champion of that story. Jesus is the champion of that story. And that's what the story of David and Goliath point to, that somebody energized by God, used by God, can do amazing things. And amazing things don't need to be the things that are on the screen and big things that you see. It's the amazing things that are behind the scenes also, the things that make stuff happen. Uh, you know, we joke about this all the time. You don't notice any of the tech team unless there's a squeal from the sound system. They're always back there doing something, turning some knob or something back there, and you don't notice them until there's a squeal or something drops off or whatever. So you don't realize them, and it's the same way with us as we live. God using us to make a difference. And we're going to see with David and the difference between Saul. You remember Saul was head and shoulders above everybody else. That doesn't mean he was taller than Goliath, but he was their, in theory, champion. Israel wanted someone to lead them into battle. They rejected God leading them to battle. There was plenty of success stories when God had taken sure defeat and turned it around, and it was amazing. But they wanted something that seemed a little bit more concrete, more tactile. They wanted to be something tangible. They wanted to be able to trust in a person like Saul. And they find that 40 days goes on and Saul, um, Goliath keeps calling them all out and no one steps forward. And it just emphasizes the fact that Saul, even though he looked very kingly, wasn't the king. And then if we go back even earlier, we see David getting anointing, anointed to be king someday, but you could almost miss that. There's, there's other brothers, seven other brothers that, just, that, get, that get passed over until David is the one, the youngest one. So this idea of um, champion, the idea of being prepared and, and not living up to others' expectations or having expectations put on you, David is that one. No one saw him coming. 
In a real sense, he had his under armor on. And those, again, of us who are familiar with the story of Goliath and David, David and Goliath, we're going to see in a few moments that uh, Saul tries to get David to put on his armor. And that armor is useless for David. David has an under armor on him, and it all has to do with heart. So we can make a lot of parables as we think about our lives and we think about the things that are we're facing, the things that God calls us to face, brings into our lives, allows into our lives. And the one thing we can learn or the main thing we can learn from David is that he had his under armor on and it made all the difference. For the Lord had sought out a man after his own heart. The Lord had already appointed him, this is David, to be the leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command, referring to Saul. David's heart was aligned with God's heart. It wasn't perfectly aligned. It didn't mean there wasn't one, two steps forward, one step back. It didn't mean there was those kinds of things going on. But the pathway that David wanted to travel, the way he was looking as he was looking in the direction of pleasing God, where Saul was really looking in the direction of using God. And we saw that earlier on. So we're going to be looking at 1 Samuel 17. Uh, verse 32 and on, we're going to focus on eight verses and then talk a little bit about the rest. Uh, if you want to follow along, you can do that with uh, your um, electronic device if you have version or a free app like that. Or you can use the Bible, the page numbers will be there and also uh, we'll have the passages up on the screen. If you don't have a paper copy Bible uh, and you want one, uh, please feel free to take that Bible you find in the rack. So verse 32, David said to Saul... Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go out and fight him. And that is just, that's just, that's just flooring. The fact that David is willing to go out and do that. First, it might seem arrogant, it might seem brash, but we're going to see that David had a history with God. David, in a sense, was being prepared by God one situation after another situation. What is God preparing you for in the future? Some of those situations you and I are facing that may seem insignificant, uh, may seem not that uh, you know, important, uh, have much ramifications for our lives, those are training us for something. The mundane is training us for something. Remember, David was a shepherd boy out there taking care of the sheep, the worst job to have. He had that job. And he learned some things, shepherding. He spends time with God shepherding. A lot of the Psalms come out of his experience shepherding. You have the 23rd Psalm that many of us are familiar with. All those little things were building to something else. And so he had this heart and he was prepared. So David says, don't lose heart. I, I tried to find some video clips of um, you know, them depicting David and Goliath. It was such, uh, you know, B-movie quality. I couldn't even, I wouldn't even want to embarrass you by showing it. It was just like, you know, Goliath is weird and David's, it's just, it was just wasn't trying to give you the imagery of what it was like. Remember, they were both on the side of the valley, lined up. They would march into the middle. There was a little stream in there. It could have been a mile apart. 
and the armies were all lined up. You've got to remember that uh, you know, the Israel army was ill-equipped. The Philistines uh, knew how to work with iron, so they had all the latest technology. They had all the drones and all those kinds of things to, to fight with. Israel really didn't have anything, but they had everything because they had God on their side. And they forgot that. So here's this boy saying to the king, again, try to get your mind around, the king, don't let your hearts be troubled, Saul. I will take care of this. Don't lose heart. And then we know that uh, he puts on Saul's outfit, and uh, it just does not fit. The shield is too big. Everything doesn't go. You know, we think it's pretty cute when kids dress up in adult clothing, you know, and it doesn't fit. We think that's funny, and we think it's funny when they dress up and all of that kind of thing. But when you're in battle and the equipment doesn't fit, it, it's not funny. It's embarrassing. It's like, what is going on here? He, he, th these things are just way... He's just ill-equipped. His body can't, can't wear this stuff. Can't wear this stuff. Can't do this. Then we read, Saul replies, you are not able to go against the Philistines and fight him. Again, he's just looking at this. You are only a young man. He has been a warrior from youth. All these kinds of things. And David is like stepping forward. No one else is saying, hey, David, you get in the background. I'll go do it. That blows my mind too. No one steps forward and says, I'll take your place, David. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'd rather go out there and lose my life than let you go out there and lose your life because that's what's going to happen. Nobody does that. Nobody steps up. Saul doesn't say, you know, it's my responsibility. I'm the king. This is why you have me. And uh, No, none of that goes on. But then David starts to rehearse things. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came up and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. The uncircumcised Philistine, the person that's apart from God, not, not separated to him, but apart from him, he will be like one of them because he has defiled the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the, the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. He's not saying I can do all these things so I'm able. Sometimes as I remember back to this story as a kid, I thought, well, it's because David was so strong. Somehow he was able to kill all these wild beasts and all of this. But if you really read the text, if you really read what is said, David gives all his enabling, all his strength, all the credit for it, all the glory, all the recognition back to God. It's God who's enabled me to do these things. And God will be able to do that again. It's amazing when we take time to think. Sometimes life is so fast-paced that we can look back and see the times that God has taught us lessons to build our life on. And sometimes we avoid those lessons, so there's a gap. Other times we, we, we embrace them, and they're hard, and they're difficult, and they're scary. I'm sure David was scared when he was doing this killing these beasts it wasn't like he was going out there just with you know all kinds of like running he was there was some fear in there 
but he had the confidence from God to go do those things. And he took those steps of faith, and it built on that. What kinds of things are you and I avoiding now, avoiding learning, avoiding the training at the hand of God that he's trying to get us to a place so not next week, not next month, maybe three years from now we're at a place we're able to do something else that he assigns us to do. As a Christ follower, we all have assignments. And they're not burdens, they're joy. They're, they're, they're who God has made us to be. And it's an expression of his work in our life. So we should be excited about those assignments, not burdened by them. Yes, they may take your breath away in a moment, but not burdened by them. I've been trying to think this through as as you go through deep waters, and I go, how is God going to show up in this situation? I can remember a few years ago, I had to speak into a, a couple's lives. I don't need to go into all the details, but I thought their reaction would be, no, I'm not doing that. I'm doing this. And so very sheepishly, I approached them, tried to approach them with hum humility, almost was apologizing for them to tell them to do the right thing, and it was the right thing. It was one of those areas where it was right. It was pretty black and white. And I, I, sa I laid it on the table, and I said, uh, in a sense, what are you going to do with this? Uh, you know, get back to me in a couple days or so. And to my astonishment, to my surprise, they actually listened. And they've changed. I couldn't believe it because most times, most times, I hate to say his experience as a pastor now for like 30-something years, most times when it's even clear-cut, there's a yeah, but, or there's a response that's, no, I'm not going to do that. I know God says to do this. I know I'm supposed to not do this or do this. I'm, I'm rejecting that. So when it came to these two individuals, I, I, again, I, I, was, I was surprised. I, I went to some of my friends who knew I was having some heavy lifting conversations with somebody, and, and, and I, I, I literally couldn't believe that they responded positively. Couldn't believe it. And they grew through that. They're in a different place because of that. If David had said, no, I'm not going after that sheep, I, you know, that's, my, my, you know, my dad wants me to stay alive, not lose the sheep. You know, losing the sheep is small potatoes. But no, he, he does what he's supposed to do. So what kinds of things is God calling you to do that's building for the future? And you may think this little thing you're doing right now has no real long-term significance. But the little things, the little decisions, those who are faithful in the little will be given more to be faithful in. There's this idea, and some of us say, well, I don't want to even have to be faithful in the big things. But when you and I live in a opposition to the assignments that God has for us, it creates a hardness in our spirit. It creates a, a disconnect. There's a, there's, a, there's a vibration in our life that's negative, and it eats us up from the inside out. And so some of us just decide or become angry or bitter or grumpy because we have this vibration in our heart because we've said no to God. We haven't accepted this little assignment. We don't want to get to the big assignment. And it just, just creates a, 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 just a, just a, a not the opposite of a sweet spirit, a bitter spirit in our lives. All right, talk about this. So Saul says to David, go and the Lord be with you. 
that's kind of fun. I just I w- wish I, I have no way of knowing, you know, with Saul going, yeah, God be with you, and, you know, kind of thing, and, you know, respected David not to make it, and, you know, then you could say, well, God didn't protect him. I guess that was God's will. I don't know what he was saying about that. Again, still an opportunity for him to put his own armor on. So then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried to walk around, cried because he was not used to them. I cannot go in I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream. We talked about this, I think, last week. Some people build a big case out of these five smooth stones. Some have said it's just because, you know, if you had a if you had a clip and a gun, you'd ha- you'd go out with it full. You know, you would you'd take as many clips as many bullets as you could. Uh, you wouldn't do so. Is it that? Is it that uh, you know Goliath had four other brothers, you know, waiting in the wings? Who knows? But he takes takes five. I still think that's pretty brave. You know, if he hit him on the second shot, that still would be a pretty good story, right? Uh, third shot, even at five. I mean, sometimes we like the cliffhangers, right? They're disarming the nuclear bomb, and you know, we don't we don't want to watch them disarm it when there's only when there's ten minutes left on the clock. We want it to get down to like two seconds, just to click MacGyver. It stops. Everybody's safe. So. You know, five, don't get messed over thinking on that. So put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag. Maybe his shepherd's bag only held five. And with his sling in hand, approached the Philistine. And we know what happens next. Again, the Under Armour were seeking the king, the seeking king. David is going to become the first king because Saul wasn't seeking that really sought God, a man, a person after God's own heart. And he first had his under armor on, not the armor that everybody saw, but the under armor, the armor of his heart, his walk with God. I'd rather have less resources and be walking with God into a difficult situation than to have all the right resources and not really have confidence that God is walking into the situation with me. It's better to have less exterior stuff. Sometimes I've been talking with uh, folks recently. You know, we try to navigate some of these difficult conversations, and you think through how you're going to have this conversation. You get all the words right. It's a beautiful, you know, little what I'm going to say and all this kind of thing. And it's funny. You can have all the right words externally, and it goes south. And then other times, I'm grasping at words, but I'm also praying in my heart, and it goes fine. It goes well. Yes, you need to be prepared, but my trust isn't in my words. It isn't in my equipment. It's in where our trust should be. And again, David has had all these experiences. God has been training him, teaching him how to lean in and trust him, how to hear his voice, how to listen to him. And so David has an ear for listening to God. So when it comes to David and Goliath, he's there. Sometimes you and I don't want to do all the spade work to have the fruit of the garden. I don't like doing gardening work. 
I don't like pulling weeds. I don't like watering. I remember the first time Cindy and the kids were little, we had a garden because we wanted to let them see things grow, you know, and all this stuff. And and about, you know, a week or two into it, she's like, you got to go water the garden. I'm like, water the garden? What do you mean? They said, you know, no, you got to water it like every night. You got to go out there, water it, look for weed. I'm like, go to the grocery store. I mean, you know, here, support an Amish family, support somebody else. But don't, I'm not, you know, no, thank you, uh, you know. But we don't want to do the spade work, but we want the tomatoes. We want the zucchini, whatever it is. So David was doing the spade work. And so when the big thing came, which the big thing may never have come, but when it came, he was ready. So as a Christ follower, again, this is Old Testament, so Jesus hasn't arrived, but everything's pointing to Jesus in the Old Testament. The armor for the Christ-following life. What's the armor look like? What kind of armor can we put on? How can we be ready? We've got Saul's plan, and I've said this earlier, I've read, I think Saul was a troubled God person. I think he I think he followed God, but he was troubled. And sometimes you and I can look at pockets of our life where it's been troubled. We were Christ followers, but we were troubled. We weren't really all in. We were we were getting dragged. You know, it's like the, the kid at the mall and are shopping and the kid doesn't want to be there and you're the parent, you're kind of like dragging them along. They're still your child, but you're dragging them along. I feel Saul is this kind of person. So Saul's plan, very, very self-sufficient, very apart from God. Saul's plan is be someone you are not. And that's why he gives David. I mean, it, it doesn't fit, and yet he gives it to David. He's, he's saying, be someone you're not. Be like me. Be, you're the shepherd, but dress like a king. Doesn't work like that. Growing up uh, where we lived, uh, you know, skiing was a big thing for, for kids who had a little bit more money than the rest of us. We were far enough away from skiing that it wasn't in our back door, so you had to really plan to go skiing. And you could tell there were kids that dressed like they were skiers. They had like the, I think it was a CB jacket, I forget what that stands for, but you know, they had the skiing outfit, you know, they looked like they're skiers, but they never went skiing. They had all the, uh, the look of it, but they never went. And then there was the other kid that had it, but, but wasn't. They wanted to pretend to be something they weren't. Doesn't mean you shouldn't grow into what God would have you do, but don't follow Saul's advice of being somebody you're not. Don't live on the expectations of somebody else. And be who God is making you to be. Do out of your being. You're growing. And, and David's going to do that. Later on, there's verses that talk about David shepherding the people with a wise heart. Because he learned how to shepherd sheep. He, he learned the frustration of doing that. A few years ago, we did a message on the 23rd Psalm. And I went over to the McDonald's and I, because I never really touched a sheep before, maybe when I was a kid or something, I went over there and they're vicious, you know, they were very scary. I can show you the video, I video, you know, the last thing I did was get this thing on my shoulders, you know, poised, you know, and all this stuff and their hands got all greasy. I know they call it landlin, like it's some special something to your, it was disgusting. And uh, anyway, so, you know. But David knows about sheep. I don't know about sheep. So I had to go over there and learn just this much so I could talk this much about it. Anyway, 
Saul's plan, not, not good at all. David tried to walk, but he could hardly budge. David told Saul, I can't even move around with all this stuff on me. I'm not used to this, and he took it all off. Some of us, and you can't, you can't use some of these answers for everything in your life, so, so don't manipulate the things I'm going to say to what you want to do when it's not really what God wants you to do. You know what I'm talking about. Some of us are still wearing the stuff that somebody else put on us. And we can hardly walk. We can hardly breathe. We're exhausted all the time. That's why there's that verse where Jesus says, come to me and find rest. My yoke is easy. Do you still have the stuff on you? That's Saul's plan. He's a troubled follower of God a troubled person, and it's because he tries to be someone he isn't. And we see that all the way along with his rule. And he took it off. What do you need to take off? Think about that. I can't imagine there isn't something in your life, in my life, that I need to take off not be a lot may just be a dirty pair of socks i don't know whatever but i may have to take something off because none of us have arrived so every once in a while we need to ask what kind of things am i wearing that i don't need to be wearing and what things do i need to be wearing that i do need to be wearing paul talks about putting on and taking off and putting on the robe of godliness and those kinds of ideas and taking other things off taking off certain kinds of actions and replacing them with another action but what am i wearing that i am not supposed to wear david's plan is this be who you are be who you are now that doesn't mean stay where you are if you need to grow i've met people that have made immense life changes and it's fantastic and i celebrate with them and then they get to this point where they say, you should have seen where I was. You see where I am. And they stop. I used to be really, really, really bad. Now I'm just a little bad. Oh, I guess that's okay. No, you need to keep growing. And again, it's not growing because it's miserable to grow. It's because it helps you change and live out of a place of growth. Dave's plan is he's just not a Goliath killer. Just not a giant killer. He'll go on to do greater things than that. He's going to be the first king that points the kingdom strongly towards following God. Read the Psalms. Read the way he set things up. It's amazing. God doesn't want him to build the temple. So he stamps his feet and makes it difficult for Solomon. If I can't build this, no, what does he do? He gets all the supplies together. He gets everything. He sets Solomon up so it is like this to build the temple. All the supplies are. He funds the whole thing. He, he doesn't have a bad attitude. Sometimes you and I are just called to set somebody else up for success in an area. And we should celebrate it, not be grumpy about it, that I didn't get to pull the lever. You know, can you imagine the guy, you know, you see the Rockefeller Christmas tree every year, you know, they light it, they get it all set up, and they're all getting ready to set up, and there's probably a couple guys out there that run that thing with lights, they're doing lights 
I said, hate that week. Oh, the tree's coming this week. I hate the tree. You know, they come in, it's tree week, tree week, tree week. You don't see them. They never record it, but these guys are going up and down the tree, turning on the lights, making sure they got it probably in the middle of the night when no one's around. Turn the tree on, see how the lights work, you know, so no one's, you know, they just, they hate it. But they don't get to pull the lever. Somebody else pulls the lever. Someone else goes, ta-da, and the trees lights up, and they're like, ooh, that's great. They didn't have a thing to do with it. They got pointed, pushed out to the crowd. Here, stand there, pull this. I bet you when they pull that lever, it isn't even connected. I bet you somebody else pushing the button somewhere else, and it's the guy who ran all the lights, and they don't even know who he is. <laughs> be who God made you to be. Set others up. That's the heart that David has. He wants to set others up in a direction to follow God, celebrate God. He helps with the worship. He helps with the songs. And he's okay not being out front and getting all the credit. So unlike our culture. Again, David takes what he's familiar with, all the things, it wasn't like a shepherd. Oh, what's a shepherd's pack? I don't even know what, they, you know. He knew all about it. He takes this, he just knows everything about that, and he approaches Goliath. And he doesn't trust again in his five stones. He doesn't trust in his slings. Those are just tools for him. Could have been a different tool, but those were the tools of his trade. He trusts in God. And, and later on, David will write this. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. I have to remind myself often as God blesses me, and I have some things in life that I can lean on. There was a time where we had a 1976 Dodge Dart, and it was like in the 1990s. Some of you are going, oh, I would have loved to have that car. I hated that car. It whistled when it, anyway, but you, you didn't always know if it was going to start. One time I had a Peugeot diesel. You had to plug the stupid thing in, you know, and, you know, and if you didn't, I, I just didn't know. But now I really, I don't worry about my car starting. It's got a little bit better of a car. It's, you know, eight years old instead of, you know, 20 years old. Anyway, and, and I don't have to, I, I, I get just com more comfortable. How easy is it to start to trust in those things? David says, I don't trust in the chariots. I've got chariots, I've got horses, but I trust in God first. Those are just tools that he's given me. And without his hand on the tool, nothing significant happens. So God's plan in this, your doing comes out of your being. Your doing comes out of your being. I said this a few other weeks. I don't want to overshare it, but I am going to share it. I was talking to someone who's looking for Miss Wright, Mr. Wright, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, and you know, I say, uh, what kind of person are you interested in? I want, well, I want this person that, you know, is godly, loves God, and, and is really spiritual and really in tune with all that. And, you know, I'm, I'm like, that's great, that's great. I go, uh, will, will they want you? What do you mean? Will they want you? Are you the kind of person the person you want wants? Well, not, not totally. I remember having a really hard conversation with someone I was close to, and they absolutely were not the person 
that they wanted, I would want. I said, well, in this holding pattern, it is not a holding pattern. Grow into the person that you want would want. I can't guarantee it, but I've seen it a lot of times happen that when the person works on their being, eventually the doing catches up, and the person they want all of a sudden comes into their life, and they go, "Woo, I like that person. Why? Because they have these things working in their life. They're following God, and, and I want that. Told Cindy I wouldn't say this, but today's our 35th anniversary. Woo-hoo! Poor Cindy. Lucky me, right? You all know that. And, uh, I, and I didn't realize this. Dated a few girls before Cindy, but uh, I didn't realize this. But the thing that really attracted me to Cindy was that she had a heart for God. And if I could give a rip about going to church or this, or she still was going. Her spirituality didn't rise and fall on my spirituality. She was all in by herself. And because she was all in by herself, I wanted that. I, I wouldn't have said that when I was 19 and met her. But as years go on, I go, That's, that, that, was, that was different. She was all in, and I wanted someone who was all in. So then I worked to at least appear spiritual, even though I was very immature, so she would like me, right? <laughs> really, your being or your doing coming out of your being. So just along with this real quickly, assignments. God gives us all assignments. They should be a joy. And God's assignment for David was aligned with who David was. He uses all the tools of a shepherd. That's who he is. He'll shepherd God's people, shepherding skills, all that kind of thing. He learned how to be out by himself. As a leader, sometimes you've got to be by yourself. That's just the way it is. And David knew how to be out on a field and feel scared because it was wild animals and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Hey, that's what we're, you know, he knew how to do that, knew how to calm himself down. So as a leader of a nation, he knew how to stand on his own two feet, walking with God. He was aligned with how God prepared. He, he, he embraced those things. He did those things. I'm sure some days he hated being a shepherd. But, he, but he, he did them because that's what he was supposed to do. And then also he was aligned with what God was calling David to do. So assignments, they, they're aligned. They all fit. They're, 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 you know, we see the faith, and I don't want to take anything away from the faith, but there were stepping stones to get to there. It's not like David had nothing to do with God, and all of a sudden he shows up at the battlefield with his brothers, and all of a sudden he hears someone defiling God, and he I can't stand that, and he goes into, into battle mode. I mean, there was a whole army there that heard that and ignored it for 40 days, twice a day. So that's 80 times they would hear, I defy the army, you know, you know and it, didn't, it, didn't, it didn't bother them enough to grab and go down there. Amazing. I, I've heard stories about World War II, and when the, when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, that there were people signed up to go into the military, who were in their 40s, 50s, 60s, they, they were going. They were going. The, the injustice of what they saw take place. That happened with Desert Storm. When the, the, twin the towers came down, people wanted to go 
make that right. Here you've got a whole army and no one will step out. And those individuals that stepped out in those times, a lot of them knew they probably wouldn't come back. And they did it anyway. You know, easy for me to say here, what would I have done? Number 10, number 20, number 40, or would I have been, oh, well, if it had gone one more day, but David stepped up, then I would have answered the call, but good, you know, what, you know aligns with what we're called to do. Go in the power of your relationship with the Lord, not in the power of all you trust. You trust God, not the chariot, not the horses. So when you look at life, if you're a Christ following, you've said yes to him, what are you armed with? Religion or relationship? And we could take the time, we could see that Saul was armed with religion. Certain procedures, even when he didn't follow them, he was, that, was what his, that was what he did. And David had a relationship. Now, you've got to remember, a personal relationship doesn't mean a different set of rules. It means a different way of connecting. And I'm going to unpack this a little bit. So sometimes I hear people go, yeah, my relationship with God is really tight, da, 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 da. And they're doing things that, that, that don't match up with what God says. Well, you know, God and I, he's kind of okay with that and blah, 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 blah. He, he just kind of looks the other way. No. Same rules, but it's not the rules that you have a relationship with. It's God. And the rules express your actions, your behavior, express that. God connects with us differently, uh, just all kinds of different relationships. Um, some things that, uh, y- you know, as, as, as a, how I would say it, um, you know, as I watched uh, Sarah get, get in, fall in love and eventually get married, and I met with her fiancé and all this before they got married, and we read a book together and all those kinds of things. He, w- he would ask me questions about Sarah. So how does she, you know? Trying to get the in, trying to be a student of her to know what she liked and how she reacts and things like that, and I thought that was excellent. Those were good questions. You you want to know what makes my daughter tick as much as I know, and I said these are the things I wouldn't do this, I wouldn't do that. Make sure you never do this. She'll go nuts if you do that. But this, you know, this is important to her. Those kinds of things, and, and you know, I wrote all those things down. And so when the next daughter's getting that situation, I'm just going to give them the list. No, I'm not going to do that because it's all different. It's all different. Love each daughter the same amount, but I love each daughter uniquely. There's different things that respond with each kid. And so, um, I, you know, having a grandson, I've talked to some of you guys who are grandparent professionals, and I've said, man, I love this little guy so much. What happens when there's two of them? How, how do you love two of them? Some of you got like 20 of them, but uh, how do you even love two of them? Just, it just, it just works. It just, it, you'll, you'll love both of them, and you'll love them the same. You'll love them with as much energy, but you'll love them uniquely. Things that connect with one might not connect with the other, and so all that kind of thing. So when it comes to our relationship with God, he connects with us differently. Some of your spiritual disciplines are different than another person's spiritual discipline. What creates a problem is when a spiritual discipline that works in your life goes from tool to rule. 
rule to rule, and then it even gets worse is when it goes from tool to rule, and then you give that rule to somebody else. Ever been to like a conference, and they say, this is the way to do your life, this is the way to do your marriage, this is the way to do your relationship with your kids, and they're tools. Try the tool out, see how it fits in your hand, see how it works. But they're not rules. I, I've been to conferences where I go, ah, I never did any of that with my kids. We didn't do that. You, you know, you, the, they seem to come, come out pretty okay. And, you know, I, we don't do that. I, I had a friend, you know, and you're going to, this is terrible. Cindy and I don't pray every night before we go to bed together. We just, get, you know, we don't get at the end of our bed and pray. And, and it's just not been our thing. And that's okay. Some of you say our marriage is fantastic because we do that. That is a tool. We have other ways of expressing our spiritual life together. It's to figure out what works. And sometimes those things change. How many of you in your devotional life who have been Christ followers, let's say for 30 years, remember what you first did and it just energized your faith? Now if you did those same things, it's like, eh, you know, it's your relationship grows. Just like if... Um, Bowling was your thing with your, your bride, you're, you're probably still not bowling. You're probably doing something else. Oh, we just bowl. That's all we do for days. We bowl, we bowl, we bowl, we bowl. No, it changes. Uh, you know, so, so your relationship with God, tools, not rules, and we understand that it's, it's a different way of connecting. But at the same time, there are some rules that are like house rules that uh, don't tweak. Like there were certain things for our girls that were all the same. When we had to talk with them about something, we talked with them in a different way. We connected with different, but it was still the same. You know, like when the kids were young and the, we first got cell phones, all the cell phones went in that little bowl on the credenza in the dining room. That's when they came in the house, they never were in their room. Never in their room from, uh, you know, 8.30 on, that's where they were. And if we didn't see, if we only saw two, not three, there was like, whoop, whoop, where's that, you know, you know, kind of thing. And who's got their, you know, and if that kept up, then there was a, there was a consequence to that. So, so again, certain house rules that are standard, connecting can be a little different. How we disciplined each one, if they crossed the line with their phone rule, was a little different. We wanted the one that worked. It wasn't about punishing them. It was about shaping them and helping them to, they didn't understand all this by any means, but it was about shaping them. So, as Christ falls, if you love me, show it by doing what I've told you. That's pretty simple. How many words is that? That's a lot, a lot of words. If you love Christ, then do what he says. And some of us know some things we are doing right now that he's told us not to do, or there's some things in life that he's told us to do, and we're not doing them. And that's a reflection on our love for him. Not his love for us. He loves us. Some of us take advantage. I've, I've been known to take advantage of God's love for me. I know he's going to love me even if I do this. Or I know there's going to be forgiveness. Or I know if this really gets messy, he'll bail me out because he's got grace. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but your quality of your love for God should be measured by the way you obey him. And some of the most simple things, and we've talked about this before, sometimes it means just be nice. Be nice. Put others first. 
Those are simple things that show that we love God because we're obeying him. Let's see, we're going to move along when we talk about these rules again. One size doesn't fit all versus no two. Two are exactly the same. Uh, we've talked before about, uh, you know, we made our kids, you know, finish their food on their plate most of the time. And uh, it's pretty standard rule. And standard rule, I can remember uh, Sarah's like, I don't know, 45 minutes later, we're putting her to bed, brushing her teeth. She's still got broccoli in her mouth from dinner time. That's disgusting. That's a stubborn kid, huh? <laughs> and so eat your broccoli. It's been in my mouth. Eat your broccoli. Anyway, and then, you know, drink your milk, drink your milk. And Mariah, because when she was little, wouldn't drink her milk. I mean, we could say you're going to sit at that table all day. You're not going to drink milk. She did not want to drink her milk. Did not like milk, didn't drink milk. You're a bad kid. You're not obeying us. Years later, we find out she's allergic to, she's lactose intolerant. No wonder she didn't want to drink her milk. It made her sick all the time. See, not everything fits the same. You got to figure these things out. So it was okay. If we had known this earlier, it would have been okay for Mariah not to drink her milk, to drink something else. And Sarah and Hannah had to drink their milk. And it would have been house rules. You finish the liquid in the cup. It both looks, all looks like milk, but one isn't milk or whatever. So it works the same way with God. You can look at some of these uh, passages on your own. There's some questions about this. Um, also, the idea of a senseless God versus a loving God. When it comes to uh, walking with him, um, we can trust him. He's to be trusted. He's to be obeyed and properly feared. You should have an awe and a respect for him. So, he, he doesn't have all these things just to make life difficult, all these goals in life, all these procedures to make things hard. He actually loves us and wants the best for us. And some of these things are symbolic. A lot of them aren't. That's why we've talked through the option matrix, which you, most of you know about. Uh, but Samuel replied, what is more pleasing? This is the time that, uh, you know, out of line Saul with, oh, you know, sacrifice. What is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of the ram. Again, this idea of God wants us to obey him. Obey him, hear his voice, listen to him. We have his scriptures. We, we know way more uh, than, in a sense, than we need to know. We just need to put it into action. And uh, sometimes we get hung up with this little rule that's a tool that's become a rule, and we make that up here. But then there's an obedience thing, and we just, just blow that off. We don't, we don't pay attention to that. And this is this idea of tools versus rules. Please don't superimpose your tools on someone else, making them a rule. But person who throws that in the other person's face, make sure you're not just playing games and God's leading you to do something. Saying, that's just a tool. And I'm, you're making it into a rule for me. I'm not going to, you know. There are times where that's true, but there are times where that isn't true. And you use that as an excuse to get out of what God would have you do. Tool, morning devotion, spending time with God. That's not a rule, though, in the morning. Spending time with God is, 
I know when I was in college, there was no morning time. It was in the evening. It was like at 1 o'clock in the morning is when I spent time with God. And then after that college experience, it went to morning. That works better for me. I'm a more of a morning person. But see, sometimes we make these, these tools into rules, whatever that may be. Um, some of you read, 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 read. Some of you are better at listening. Because don't we live in a great day and age where you can listen to stuff rather than read stuff? And you go, well, reading is more pure. It's just more, well, yeah, you know, when the church first started out, you know, there weren't Bibles. People weren't reading things. It, it didn't exist. They were growing in different ways. So, so look at what is at the horizon, what God gives you. See the tools, use them. If they fit well in your hand, use them. But don't make them into a rule. So to sum this all up is this. When you think of David and Saul's armor, having the under armor, it's this idea of be who you are to be. Religion transforms tools into rules, while relationship uses rules as tools. And to figure that out and to look at your life, you got to think. you got to actually think to go, where am I taking a rule or tool making into a rule? you actually got to digest that. And where are there rules that are house rules that, yeah, you finish your plate, but we won't make you drink uh, milk with, uh, you know, the things that are, you're allergic to. So religion transforms tools into rules while relationship uses rules as tools. Don't live under the yoke of someone else's expectations. Just walk with God and live up to his expectations. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for your love for us. Uh, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your patience. We thank you that you love each of us equally, but you love each of us uniquely. You know how to connect. You know, in a sense, sometimes the buzz phrase love languages. You know what our love languages are. And you love us individually as you love us together as a church family. If there's anyone here this morning that has never said yes to you and experienced your love in a personal way, in a relational way, not a religious way, would today be the day they speak to someone, just speak to you, and start that life walking with you in relationship, not in religion. We thank you.